Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. We are on chapter 29, and it starts off with a thick film of neglect still covered everything in sight. We have just come off of ripping Parzival out of his out of his tuna can of an apartment, and now he's been thrown into the paddy wagon, pulled and this is basically him now traveling through the streets. And what you know the struggle here is that this chapter, I suppose, just takes a moment to paint reality outside of the apartment and outside of the oasis. Yeah, and if you thought it couldn't get worse, well, guess what? It did. It did. <laughs> Do you know the image that was conjured up in my head when he was talking about the snow being dirty and it dripping down and like snow, like gray flakes? It's like a, it's like a technological Pompeii. No, I was. It reminded me of that scene in Schindler's List. Uh, which one? Where he's crawling through the tube of poo in no, order to escape? No, that's Shawshank okay. Redemption. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm talking about Schindler's List. Right, right. That's the one with Morgan Freeman. No. And uh, what? That's Shawshank. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, that's that's the one where uh uh Shawshank. That's where he plans to do the big heist with all his friends, and then he gets out of jail. But we can talk about that one later. Okay. <laughs> talking about the uh, Steven Spielberg movie Schindler's List. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's the baseball game with the kids that are like misfits. <sighs> you no? done? You done? Is it a happy movie? It is. No, no. Because it's funny. I've never seen Schindler's List. Oh, okay. So there's this, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but there's this scene where something that looks like snow is falling down upon uh-huh. wherever they are. And right. uh, Liam Neeson, who plays Oscar Schindler, there's a car, and he kind of wipes away the uh, the stuff and realizes Snow. that it's ashes. Got it. Uh, the ashes are the dead people being burned in the... Uh, yeah, in now, the, uh, let's okay. talk about something a little bit more uh, uplifting, like the number of homeless people that seem to have increased drastically in six months. Yes, so refu- refugee camps, for as far as the eyes can see. The thing that I find interesting, I, I like that this is painted like this. I'll be honest with you, it reminded me of certain parts of San Francisco. What parts were those? I don't remember those. Well, yeah, well, the gentrification had gotten really bad a number of years ago, and I don't know if it's gotten any worse. But uh, there were just people who were camping on sidewalks. They were just camping on sidewalks. They had tents. To to see this, where you've got just tons of people clustered in vacant lots, wearing these bulky, outdated visors and haptic gloves, it's, it's really interesting. Like, what would it take to prevent a revolt in a given country? Apparently, all you got to do is give them a visor and an internet connection. There you go. That's that's kind of it, isn't it? I mean, think about it. If you're going hungry or the money that you're making is just to go towards food and you can exist perpetually, even in the crappy visor and gloves in this world that is literally an oasis for anyone that is able to put the visor on their head and it is an alternate reality. No matter how poor you are, no matter where you are, no matter how cold you are or hungry you are, you can always go to the beach. You can always be Batman. You can always escape. It's the deeper the escape. And, you know, revolts are, I kind of think, based on history, born on the backs of, of a mass group of people who are so unsatisfied with the way things are government-wise or in society that they rebel. They do something about it. But so long as the, the population 
is pacified in some way. Drugged? Some, yes. The opiate of the masses. So long as they are distracted or pacified, no matter how bad things get, it'll never be enough to revolt. And it kind of reminds me of this. There's more people are now in cardboard shelters, but just so long as they've got their visor and their gloves, so long as they've got their free hardware and a free internet connection, the masses will not rise up. And I'm just thinking, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be weird if you, you went into your VR realm and things were so bad that at a club, one or two people out of hundreds were like slumped over and dead in real life because they just froze or starved? That just sounds weird. Yeah, a little fucked up. This is, I really like our little conversations like this. Yeah, well, you know, it brings us a little bit closer, right? Yeah, of course. It's just interesting. Like, how distracted does a people have to be to not rise up and protest and and do something about what in this case is really a business acting as a government, almost? So this is actually a really interesting tie-in to the movie he references later, THX 1138. Well, a movie that um, I'm not looking forward to watching, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to. Nor should you look forward to watching it. It is pretty not great. You didn't say bad. You just said, eh, it's not great. Well, yeah, it's. I watched it probably for the first time maybe five or six years ago. I forget. And uh, I watched it again recently to study up for this chapter. And I remember exactly why I was so bored watching it. Well, don't give it away. Because I've not seen it. And that's what the bonus track is going to be about. It's going to be me <laughs> picking up the only referential thing in this whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's plow through the, the people, the masses. That are just zombies with technology strapped to their little their faces rather than just in their hands. Flea ridden hair, right? And and kind of like ghostly gestures as they're as they're moving around and in in the reality while impoverished on the streets. Uh, I you know I wonder if it's possible. Could you have a feast in in the oasis? Could you be hungry but fool the mind? I know you wouldn't taste it, but but could you in a Pavlovian sort of way view like a a table full of food and 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 pretend like you're eating it. You know what I mean? That just sounds like one of the cruelest forms of torture. Because at the end of the day, you're still not intaking calories, right? I just feel like it would be. I don't think I would enjoy that. I'm kind of a big guy. That sounds like a weight loss plan to me. No, I, I don't know. I mean, digital calories. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't be real. It'd be, they'd be empty calories. They would. And maybe if you just smelled it, like if you could, if you could just, because when you think about what your taste buds are, you know, that's just very rudimentary. Most of what you actually taste is, is an olfactory response. If you could smell fried chicken while sort of virtually holding and, and consuming, like the smell is, is sent to you. But the only way to do that is to trigger it by eating in, in VR. Yeah, but you know? no, nobody's wearing a device in their mouth to simulate the pressure of the food you're eating. Well, that's okay. You just go as far as you can with it. Like, you're not going to trigger the smells until until you simulate the eating part. You know, would that be enough to, to sort of satiate the mind? It obviously doesn't doesn't handle the body. But uh, it's a bit like um, when when you're, you're totally nicking out for a cigarette. 
and you go outside and you go to pull a cigarette out and the anxiety starts to ease off because the body is already chemically adjusting itself because it knows it's coming. It knows it's coming even, even before you've begun smoking. It would be a really interesting study to see if you put on the virtual headset mm-hmm. and had people simulate eating food and if that would actually stave off real hunger and be a weight loss method. That'd be an interesting study if it hasn't been done already. If it has been done, I want to read it. It, it is. I, I'm curious. So and speaking of chicken and VR, have you seen the VR training for KFC? VR training for KFC? Right. So speaking of impoverished people who are going hungry, the millions of them on the streets, cardboard shelters, you know, experiencing nothing but the oasis. And and here is, you were talking about like a, a potential torture device. There is a Kentucky Fried Chicken VR experience. I have not heard of this. Uh, okay. All right. So bear with me do for they, a minute here. Do you I'm get gonna, battered I'm gonna and fried? Or? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paste this to you. I'm going to paste this to you. Oh, he's going to paste it to me. Tell yeah, me. I've got some pasties for you. Do you like so me? I want you to play this, and I want you to tell me what you see. Uh, if you go to YouTube and you just look up KFC's new virtual reality training like video. Welcome to my um, just for everyone else, I mean. And then you can get an idea as to what we're talking about. So tell me, tell me what you see. Uh, he just there's like a portal door. This guy's creepy sounding. He's looking around. TV screens. This is this Parzival stronghold. There's the the colonel. Now get to work. Yeah, it sounds exactly like. Yeah, the colonel's not feeling good. There's some tracks on the floor. Oh, there's Dude. a portal on the floor opening up. Looks like a fryer or something. <laughs> oh, I'm a little bit behind you. I see him looking around this sort of wooden room with these, with this uh, painting of Colonel Sanders up on this big door. Yeah, a little, a little. Um, Jesus. Oh, look, they delivered some chicken. Did that open the bag of chicken? Hmm. Does, that, does that open the bag? So you are opening the bag of chicken oh. in your VR. Says, see, that's how salmonella gets spread. <laughs> if it's VR salmonella, though. So. Oh, you're inspecting chicken. When is it not going to look right? That one didn't look right. It looked like it had fingers. You got this. this virtual cooktop that came up from the floor. So if they're all good, like. What are they like? Oh, this one doesn't look good. Oh, the one, the, the the squeaky one. You better inspect it, buddy. Oh my God, what happened? Uh-huh. You found my decoy. <laughs> Fuck a decoy. <laughs> oh, so look, it's frying now. Did it come out a whole chicken? I don't think so. Look how the the neck. Look how creepy that shit is. Look at that. Oh my God! Uh-huh. Oh it's my Lord! Complicated step. You did that right. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll get out of here. <laughs> Does this feel creepy? A little bit. Hey, it, it looks ever. like it's a, Look a, a video a game that's meant to be a horror video game. This is like this is KFC horror. This is VR KFC horror. My robot servant is going to show you how to bread the chicken, but robots can never make. Robots. What a ludicrous thought that is. Robots. They can never make the chicken. Look how the robot, the rivet, 
Um, it has a tie on it. It has, a, looks, it has a tie. This guy looks like he might have been a, a relative of Bender. Watch this idiotic robot show you the proper technique. Watch this idiotic robot right. show you the proper technique. He's got these robotic hands that have come down to show you how to toss the chicken. And you're you're tossing chicken in. in I, I like how it counts it. Toss it for seven seconds, right? And then the robot shakes it a little bit. And that's creepy. What the fuck is that? It just dropped like a box, like a music box. It looks like a cigar box. It's like a big pillow. Look at the lights on the music what box. What the hell? Character. Oh, it's a music Jim, box. Make a song. You do it by placing the chicken exactly where the music box goes. Oh, my God. This oh. is weird. Music boxes. Oh, it's a music. Can you place the chicken on the rack based on where the music box tells you to? Oh, so this tells you how to place them based on the size. Okay, maybe this is the most efficient way to place chicken on a rack. Oh, I don't get it. I'm not sure I get it either. Rack complete. Uh, Only one step left. Will you escape or be trapped with me forever? <laughs> step five. I'm going to try this. Right, oh, my Lord. Okay. I'm, I'm shutting it off now. Oh, oh my. No, wait. They, they got the art. They got this uh, thing going on here. Yeah, this like a, it's like a box. And, well, I'll tell you what, and then a, a pressure fryer. Why does the why does the room go dark when he does the pressure fryer? As the clock ticks, the easy way so it's, the robot is crying. It's deep fried, then it's pressure fried. Yeah, it's it's deep, yeah, it's deep pressure fried. And, and the robot is sparking. What the fuck? This is like that scene from uh, the Young Frankenstein. I was thinking. Um, I'm thinking when uh, Gene Wilder goes, "It's alive." I, I was thinking more when Gene Wilder is, is screaming while going through the tunnel. Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so that's, I uh, imagine, a world that maybe watches that uh, while impoverished. This has got to be worse than Tommy Q. And we will get to Tommy Q. We're still in the streets. We're still driving. We finally reached IOI Plaza. And as he describes this, the corporate headquarters of Innovative Online Industries, and it is just two rectangular skyscrapers flanking a circular one. Which is just got to be the dumbest. Ugh. Like, that's just... As, a, as an architect, tell me how you feel about this. Ugh. It, it just seems so Las Vegas. What I thought was interesting here was this probably the most flowery writing he says it the, the top of each tower disappears into a sodium vapor drenched cloud layer above and if you imagine the city has this because you know, the sodium lights are kind of this 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 yellow this sepia yellow 
just just this sepia. you know i meant no it's sepia 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 <laughs> that kind of reminds me of everything being stained in cigarette smoke i can picture it <laughs> all right well, have you seen the old monitors where the, they used to be white but evidently oh, yeah, because disgusting. Yeah, because, you know, the, the, the tech guys in Jurassic Park are sitting there with, like, 20 cigarettes hanging out of their mouths. And these giant white monitors over the period of, like, a year or two or five. Hold on to your end up taking on, <laughs> uh, 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 end, up, end up taking on this nasty tar yellow and, and drenches everything in a, in a sepia-like light. Come on, I know you want to say it. Sepia? Yep, that's it. Okay. He has herded in. To the employee induction center, the indentured employee induction center, and uh, the other indents were herded off the transport. I love the uh, the you know I I can imagine just like cattle coming out with the with the little you know prods, and just shuffled into a bright room. I mean this this honestly kind of reminds me of when I was arrested once upon a time. I was going to say I hope that this isn't you didn't have a very similar experience to this. It was a little bit like this. Not as not as much prodding, less electricity. Did they delouse uh, you? You know what? And coincidentally, it's because I bounced a check with Bilo. What? And they, they put me on a paddy wagon and shipped me 15 miles to Knoxville. So it was kind of like this. But I like how we have this shuffling maze with the guided ropes, you know, like overgrown children in some nightmarish amusement park. But like every 10 feet, there'd be a, a television telling you, you know, what's coming next or some shit like that. But it was interesting because he says they were in the gray jumpsuits and the plastic gray shoes, and that they all looked like extras from THX one one three eight. I would say that his description here <laughs> pretty much nails the THX one one three eight vibe. Yes, when you do finally watch the movie, you'll be like, "Yep, that's exactly what the IY indentured employee center would look like." Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a trip. An equal number of men and women, but it was hard to tell because nearly everyone shared their pale complexion, total lack of body hair. Isn't that interesting? How did they all share pale complexion, lack of body hair? Think about that for a second, because a large portion of people out there are impoverished. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the money to remove all the hair. Well, remember that it's quite possible that they could have just all blown their wad trying to hunt for the egg. And they had money, but then they spent it all. And they what about the? They might have been in like are, a similar apartment that Parsville was in, and had the shower that sprayed on the you know, the hair removal stuff. And because that is the way to make the suits work better. What about the dude that was up chucking Oreo cookies next to him that had like the hair? He couldn't tell if it was a girl or a guy, so he was just gonna assume it was a guy. Yeah, I don't know about that person. Yeah, all I know is that I don't know how they're gonna fit into that cell. So let me ask you a question. Do you travel much? Not often. No? Um, well, what's not often? Like, like how often? Like, when I say travel, I mean airplane. Airplane. I mean airport. Maybe once a year, if that. Once every other All right, year. Well, once a year. Okay, okay. So this next part, did this not remind you of a... Of an airport? Security? A TSA airport check line? Not quite as much as Explorers did. What? The movie Explorers the... with the, the robot that patted down the kid. Well, that was just for a moment. Hell, you, that could be anybody pulling you over in the middle of a city. But here we have it. the description is at the first checkpoint, each indent was given a thorough scan with a brand new metal detector to make sure that they weren't hiding any electronic devices on their persons. So it's, it's you know, and you've got this long waiting line, potentially. 
you go into the machine and put your hands up. Like I did this just the other day, actually. Kind of a pain in the butt, really, because you got to take your shoes off. So I'm walking across the cold floor, and you got to take put pull all your shit out, stick it into a bin, and then you go into the thing where you put your hands up, and you know when they're scanning you, they're getting a really a really nice outline of your naked nooks and crannies, right? Imagine looking for the little blips of metal. I, I, but oh, the and then you walk blips. out, and they get little blips of metal, and then he's like, "All right, we've we've got a couple parts." I was, you know, I wear like suspenders, so little bits of metal all over me, where he has to scan me, or I got patted down. I got patted down, and you were like, "You know," yes. <laughs> I was thinking, just like chapter twenty nine. Uh, <laughs> Give me the Parzival treatment. Give me the Parzival. <laughs> Threaten me with a zapper, would you? You want to check to see if I once. have a prosthetic testicle? Huh? Huh? <laughs> but I like how they're pulling out of line when scanner when the scanner finds subcutaneous mini computers or voice controlled phones installed as Bluetooth replacements. So it's it's just it's no wonder these people the, have no money. They spent it all on these ridiculous Oasis consoles. Well, the nice part is is they're literally like, all right. On a serious note, this feels very much like like another movie that you had mentioned. Mm, yeah. Where they pull all the valuables from a person, like gold-plated teeth, yeah, shit like that, right? This feels like that. This is that kind of that description where they're kind of walking in, and uh, you know, the first thing they do after they've been identified, after they've been scanned, is they pull the valuables out of them surgically, yank it out. Yeah, it's a little weird. That is a little weird. So, what do you think drives a person to want to say, "You know what? I could use more than one of my nuts in Oasis console." And when are you using this damn thing? Wow. Yeah, the dude ahead me in line actually had a top-of-the-line, quoting in the book, miniature Sinatra Oasis console concealed in a prosthetic testicle. Talk about balls. I, <sighs> I suppose I, someone like that is probably never going to really use their nuts anyway, so why not have a computer? I'm, I'm trying to think, what would be the advantages of having an Oasis console concealed inside of a testicle? Let's just start there. Like, if you could put it anywhere, why there? Probably because that's an that's an outpatient procedure and not a real surgery. You could fine, okay, but you could just as easily poke hole that under the skin. You could just as easily, like you know, tuck that up under your under your rib cage. I guess, but yeah, I, I I have a I have a port. I have a port underneath my skin. That's probably about as big as a testicle. And it's not a bump. You wouldn't be able to see it on me, but it is under my skin. You could totally do that. You just fasten it to, to one of the muscles and, and you'd be good to go. Poke hole surgery. I mean, I could put a USB port in my body. Huh? No, this would be like Bluetooth. I don't think you'd want a USB port. I don't think you want a Bluetooth in there either, but whatever. <laughs> so, so if you had a, if you had a Bluetooth Oasis console testicle... Would that be like having blue balls? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's. We've reached the bottom of that cage. Oh, okay, moving on. So he clears a few checkpoints, and he has a room filled with hundreds of small soundproof cubicles. And he's given a, a cheap visor, cheap pair of haptic gloves. Poor guy didn't even get Oasis access. What do you expect? Well, yes, but I guess just having something familiar, you know. I I imagine like if you're in a completely foreign country just to see uh, another American, which is funny because, you know, you're walking in another country, completely different country, and you run bump into somebody who's an American, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, this complete stranger, like, has the in 
on where to go or the places they've been. You know, hey, what do you know of a good restaurant? Oh yeah, we were at this restaurant down the street. All of a sudden, they are the they are the go to person. Yeah, because you have that thing. You could bump into them in New York, and you'd be like, get the freak out of my way. Yeah, you'd, and a million you'd be lucky people to not get shot, right? Precisely, but that one person you're familiar with is now your best friend. You know, when you bump into them in a country. Oh, you're you're from America. I'm from America. Uh, what you, is you know, Bob? You know, Bob. <laughs> you're from downtown. I'm from downtown. There's ten thousand people downtown. Do you know Johnny? So I I get it. He, you know, he has the equipment. It's kind of that point of familiarity that offers comfort in a completely foreign environment. Yeah. So I was kind of like, eh. It's these little kind of these little notes where he doesn't outwardly write that kind of expression but he still says you know it was comforting to put on the goggles and the and the gloves it's like getting a low dosage of your opiate yeah yeah or or like somebody giving you a pack of cigarettes with no cigarettes in it you still get to tap the pack i guess <laughs> i don't know um i just all right, i just so, like buying them i don't actually smoke them i just like tapping the pack i just like tapping the pack man <laughs> So he's given this battery of increasingly difficult aptitude tests intended to measure his knowledge, his abilities in every area that might be of use to his employer, and that they were cross-referenced with fake educational background and work history that he'd given to his bogus character. So it's one of the things, it's like if you if you say, if you've beefed up your stats on your, your bogus character that you've put into the FBI, you probably should know what you beefed up, right? If if you come in and you say, well, I'm an expert programmer, and they start asking you questions about that language, you probably should know it, or they're going to figure that out pretty damn soon. But he says, I made sure to ace all of the tests on the Oasis software and hardware and networking, but intentionally failed the tests designed to gauge his knowledge about James Halliday and the Easter egg. So I guess the gist is he knew he would be evaluated. He knew he had to have the answers that matched his credentials. But at the same time, he did not want to get planted in a place where he would have to work online for IOI as a sixer. He was literally saying, I'm smart, but I'm no sixer. Does that sound about right? That seems like the intention to me. It says He says, I definitely didn't want to get placed in IOI's oology division. Why didn't the sixers cross-reference the apartment that he came from and the precautions that he took when he was there? Why would somebody take those kinds of precautions if they weren't a gunter? Why wouldn't they think he was somebody who was into the Easter egg hunt and therefore know a lot about Halliday and all that stuff and potentially be an oologist? Somebody who knows about networking but not know anything about the Easter egg hunt wouldn't necessarily black out his window, put an incendiary device in his Oasis console, things like that. Just a poser with a lot of money. He could be an IROC. And I don't mean an IROC as in like the movie IROC. I mean IROC as in like the book the poser. poser. The book IROC. Poser. IROC from the book. He's calling me a poser. You know, the, the guy who kind of has all the equipment and the weapons goes into debt buying like rocket launchers and shit and walks like he like he's big stuff, but in reality doesn't know jack shit. So I can see that. I don't see IROC going to the uh, level of craziness that Parswell did in his apartment. But yeah, I, I I would think that IOI would they got tons of resources. You would think if they're analyzing people's Oreo vomit, they would also be cross referencing other information that would potentially say, hey, maybe this guy is more than meets the eye. Well, my thinking is that if if you know what his school picture looks like and you know where he lives. 
and you can get eyes on them, then why not facial recognition? And, and keep in mind, book came out in 2011. Facial recognition wasn't maybe, as far as technologies go, quite as strong then maybe. But like now, facial recognition is a thing. Yeah, but VR wasn't as strong as uh, he describes in the book, and he made it out to be this really amazing place. So it's not like I think he could have had that in there mm-hmm. as something that they they could have used to identify him. But uh, I mean, our phones now are doing facial recognition. You know, the most recent uh, iPhone, you know, does the some odd two hundred points on your face, so that even if you cut your hair, or grow a mustache, or put on makeup or whatever, it's still going to know you are you, know who you are. And it adapts as you change a little bit, as you get older, et cetera. So, uh, you know, you'd think that that would, that he'd walk in and he would be afraid of being recognized by Sorrento. I would be afraid that all of these cameras that are obviously watching him would be doing facial recognition and then cross-referencing that to other places where he'd been seen. Well, they wouldn't need to have that on all the cameras, just the ones at the uh, processing center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but then again, like, what's it going to cross reference it to other than like the, the citizen registry database thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, at the very least, you can connect it to events and where people go. And if there's enough cameras, their, their traveling habits, their movement habits, I don't know. So they're like a credit card company. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, what was the movie with Tom Cruise where they did the, the eye scanning? Oh, I mean, Minority Report? There you go. Minority report. So rather than scanning the eye, you'd just be scanning the face. A little bit harder to replace a face. But I kind of like the concept there where he had to go and get like a fake eyeball or have one of his eyeballs replaced. Yeah, I don't think that's really plausible, though. What, to replace an eyeball? Well, certainly not by some drunk Russian. Uh, well, you know, all right, fine. But, uh, you know, if you can have a testicle that is an Oasis server, Oasis console, you probably replace an eyeball. Yeah, and, you know, if I could replace an eyeball with like a Terminator style eyeball that does mm. all the scanning, now you're talking. Wow, that's romantic. Yeah, you know, you're making dinner, look into your wife's eye with that big glowing red Terminator eye. Hey, baby, I love you. <laughs> in the back of your head, you're going. Yeah, but in your vision, you can you can see if our heart rate is going up or something. Right, 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 or not. Or you can tell if she's lying or not. She probably is lying. Bless. All right. Moving on. Hours later, he finishes the exams, and he's locked into his a virtual chat room to meet with indenturement, an indenturement counselor Nancy. whose name was Nancy. Nancy. That's nice. It has a hypnotic and monotone voice, informing him that due to his exemplary test scores and impressive employment record, he had been awarded the position of Oasis Technical Support Representative too, and would be paid a stunning $28,500 a year, minus the cost of housing, meals, taxes, medical, dental, optical, and recreational services, all of which would be de- deducted automatically from his pay. Wow, $28,500, huh? Well, all right. But we that's in 2045 wow, money. Right. That's where I was going with this. Was that today $28,000? That's, that is approximately $14 an hour, which is... When I was working at Radio Shack early in my career, I was making $5 an hour, okay? But that was like in the 90s. But that's still not a lot of money to live on today. What would that be in 2045? So so here, here's what I got here. I have a reverse inflation calculator. Mm-hmm. So we start with the $28,500 salary, right? That's what it came out to? 
Right, 28,500, right, and right. And then it says to put in the inflation rate and then the number of years. Okay, so it uh, looks like 3%. 3%. And mm-hmm. where are we at? 27 years for 2045? So that would ha- that would be like the, a current buying power of $12,800. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So the reality is that it's as worth as much as if you were getting paid $6 an hour. Now, I had mentioned that I gotten paid $5 an hour like 25 years ago working at Radio Shack. Actually, it was less than that. It was like $4.80 or some bullshit like that. But that's low. Like 6 bucks an hour. Wow. That's kind of a trip. And then on top of that, imagine if you had to pay for meals and housing and medical and dental and optical and recreation services on $6 an hour. There's no way you could pay anything off. It's a system designed for you to fail. Yeah. And taxes. So they haven't even really gone into what the taxes looked like in that day and age. Well, I mean, technically, this is a low enough where you wouldn't have to pay taxes today, but that may not be the case in 2045. So it's easy to see in the next in the next paragraph where he says, once you made the mistake of getting yourself indentured, you'd probably remain indentured for life because there's, there's just no way you would continue to accumulate debt. Because there's no way that you could live with those kinds of automatic expenses. Like you don't have a choice. It's like you go in and, and they're like, we're going to pay $6 an hour, but we're going to force your life to be more expensive than what you're going to pay. You will never get yeah, out of it. Not here. only that, we're going to set the prices for all those things. Mm, exactly. Uh, but again, some people, it, that's, that's preferred to, to living outside, you know, to, to living in a tent. Could you imagine having the choice between, you know, I don't know, being on a public park in a cardboard box, flicking your fingers at, you know, with your haptic gloves and potentially freezing to death, or being an Iowa indentured servant where you're indoors, you get a job, you get food. Yeah, I could see the appeal if you are in that kind of desperate a situation. So here's the thing, though, is why would people play along with this? Because it's different when you go to a job and you're getting paid. And you know that you need to do the job well in order to stay hired, to stay employed. Why would you do a good job? Why wouldn't you just fuck off in a place like this? Because what are they going to do? You owe the money. They're going to keep you around. So long as you're doing the bare minimum, the bare minimum, and then just kind of, you know, screwing around. Well, why wouldn't you? So you didn't have to watch Tommy Q all the time? Yeah, but, you know, I'd imagine after a while, you just kind of get disenfranchised with doing the whole thing and you know, you'd answer a phone and you just you know say whatever the hell you wanted to say well it filters you out anyway doesn't it i guess yeah it does that's right because it forces you so oh, we get into curse. that next chapter yeah that's next chapter scratch that reverse it <sighs> but i mean it, it's not like they're going to throw you out so you will have a, a well, roof over your head that, it's not like they're going to starve you that because you're already know. starving they might well, I guess they do expect you to pay them back. So, yeah, I guess you're not going to be fired. But you could get demoted to janitor. Uh, you See, if it was me, it would be like a catch-22 situation. 
where you could do whatever the hell you wanted to because you would never get kicked out because you couldn't be crazy because you're in the army. See what I'm getting at? You can't be crazy because you're in the army. So if you go into the army and that drives you crazy and you go and you say, I'm sorry, I'm mentally ill. They're like, you can't be. You're in the military. You can't have gotten into the military and being having been mentally ill. That's the catch-22. So, you know, you'd be like something out of MASH where... You're Corporal Klinger. You're dressing... You're Corporal Klinger. You're dressing up in granny's uh, dresses and just doing crazy shit. Because you can't. Because you're trying to get fired. Like, could you imagine just kind of going in there and going, I'm going to make you not want me. And in the meantime, I'm going to leech off of you. I'm going to drive up debt so high for you that you're not going to want me in here anymore. You see how that would turn around? Yeah. Well... It didn't exactly work out that way for Klinger. He was there for the whole war. No, that's true. That's true. But he did have fun with it. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was great. Yeah. At least it was least fun to watch, right? Of course. All right. So even though he was using a fake name, he wasn't sure if his contract was legally blinding, outbiting, not that it really matters at that point. That's <laughs> a funny thing to wonder, huh? What's that? It's like, hmm, I wonder as I'm signing away my life, is, does this really matter? And it's like, well, who are you going to admit it to? Is it safer for them to think that you're Bryce Lynch or that you're you're Wade Watts, Parzival? Yeah, well, I mean, if you've ever seen my signature, it's just it's just it's just a, a squiggly line. Quite frankly, it's just so bad. So to even call it a signature, I mean, you you don't know, you don't know what I'm writing. I could be writing, you know, Melba Toast. You don't know, Mickey Mouse. But it's you know, so long as my hand is scrawling ink across a piece of paper, you know, most businesses would consider that legally binding. But uh, he goes down to the processing area. And he's placed, and this is weird, he's placed on a conveyor belt that carries him through a long series of stations. And uh, they strip him down, they take off his jumpsuit, they take off his shoes, and then they incinerate those. Um, And they run him through kind of a human car wash, get the lice off of him. And then afterwards, they give him a new jumpsuit, a new pair of plastic slippers. So that's interesting. That's George Jetson right there. Mm -hmm. That's like the first scene where he gets up and then he goes through the shower scene and the toothbrush comes down on the robotic arm and it's doing his hair and it's washing his body. Am I remembering that right? Uh, I think so. So you, you can't you know, put Jetsons, and I was thinking when Andy Dufresne gets sent to Shawshank. You're really, um, you're really hooked on that on that movie where they let the guy go and then they shoot him because he left the prison. You need to come off that. I think. Just saying, they delouse him. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember the delouse. And it was a prison. prison. He's basically going to prison right now. Well, that's well, you know. We don't need the big bugs. Uh, so they bring him in, they delouse him, and the next bank of machines give him a physical, including a battery of blood tests, where where we have, you know what, we don't often see brackets. Like, we've talked before about, we've talked before about retconning, this concept of going back and adding something in to adjust, either for the story later on, or to better explain the circumstance. But there's like, there's like, brackets here where it says luckily the genetic privacy act made it illegal for iowa to sample my dna you know yeah it it doesn't need them it's almost like somebody read that and went um don't you think they would have figured out who he really was with blood test oh hold on a minute let me add this this thing in here it's a genetic privacy act evidently the government still has their shit together to prevent businesses from crossing the line here you'd think that if things were in such hairy carriness that this is the last thing they'd fucking care about. Mm. Like, there's way, like, poverty is off the scale. People are dying in their haptic suits. They're dropping off the Oasis like flies. 
like they're going to be concerned about businesses collecting DNA. You know what I mean? As as a recognition. And it's not like they're not still using bioscanning techniques because they did scan his eyes. But I guess here they're trying to like uniquely identify his DNA or some shit like that. But still, in the same tone, that would be just as unique as like the back of your eyeball. I don't know. It's just weird that, you know, as as we go through the story, I don't think I've I, you know, I just now said I don't think I would have ever seen brackets used. And I scan up in like four paragraphs earlier. It was done if there was any little brackets at the top. Yeah. So, OK, well, anyhow, I just thought it was unusual that it was kind of like, oh, here's that thing. Oh, plug how that thing isn't going to spoil the next part. See, I, I kind of looked at the, the parentheticals in in the book as more of like an inner dialogue like a secondary dialogue to the main dialogue. Did you just did you just call those parentheticals? Yeah. Is that how the, that's how that's pronounced? As opposed to what? Parentheses? Well, it's parentheses, but the stuff that's in between the parentheses is like I, parentheticals? I think so. Okay, I had never heard that before, but I've learned something new. I'm going to I'm going to win at Scrabble. Uh it was given a series of inoculations with an array of automated needle guns that shot me in both shoulders and both ass cheeks. <laughs> it's a good time at this IOI place, huh? Like, does it just pop out from the sides and from behind and just, just you know, from four angles? Just What if it misses? It's like the Iron Maiden of, of automated doctor machines. Hey, he got a free inoculation. Yeah. Who says you can't get knocked up at IOI? So, hey, he may never have gotten these. <laughs> He inches forward on the conveyor, and he sees the flat screen monitors mounted on the overhead. And it, it has the the cheesy sort of corporate culture brainwashing. So it is the, the endless loop of indentured servitude, your fast track from debt to success. Yay. You know, yay. With a cast made up of D-list television stars who are cheerfully spouted corporate pop propaganda while relating to the minutia of IOI's indenturement policy. So he got to know this film really well. Who would be a B-list star that would show up in something like this? A D-list star, no less. Did I say? Did I say B-list? I meant D-list. Oh, let's see what Google's who Google says are our current list of D-list stars. Kathy Griffin is the first one. Oh, ooh, Kathy Griffin. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I could handle Kathy Griffin doing this video because she's kind of funny. Kind of. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. Uh, I see. Different strokes for different folks. It takes different strokes to rule the world, my friend. It does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Let's see. Uh, all these pop-ups. Well, just go to the go to the pictures. Go to images. Okay. First, you got Carrot Top, Dustin Diamond. All right. I could see that. He would be perfect for this film. Dustin Diamond. Screech. Saved by the Bell. When I wake up in the morning. Oh, oh, yeah! He would be in this film, and he would he would do it so hard. Be perfect for it. (laughs) Oh Oh, lord! So anyway, I I would I would hope he would be an indentured servant who would get tortured. He'd be a jackass, and then he would get tortured. Yeah, he'd be that example of what not to do. But you could see him as. As one of the D-list television stars who cheerfully spouts corporate propaganda. Yeah, I could. I was, I was kind of thinking like Kirk Cameron. 
Oh, he might be on this list. The the one of the one, next ones on the list is Michael Lohan. Eh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Urban Dictionary D-list celebrities. So, for those who don't know what a, a D-list actor is, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the the authentic, the the true to form, real definition for D-list celebrities provided by Urban Dictionary. Uh, a D-list celebrity is simply a person who is known simply through social networks. A person who's made a name for themselves through social networking sites such as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I I would kind of I would kind of disagree with that because a lot of the D-list peeps that we've just mentioned were not necessarily popular because of social networks. Yeah, I don't think that's a valid description. Yeah, it, it, they've slid down the the quality list of actors or whatever entertainment it was that they yeah. did. I see David Hasselhoff is on one of these lists. Okay, okay. Used to be high on the yeah, list. Vanilla Ice. Also used to be high on the list. Now, may- maybe he would be on that video. Heidi Montag. I have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is. Whoever Kate Gosselin is. Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo. There you go. There you go. And he was on Charles in Charge. Yeah. Charles in Charge of our days. He was he was up there. He did a few movies even. I think there was a movie where Scott Bayo uh something happened to them and he was able to use his mind to make the clothes fly off of women. Yeah. Do you remember what that was called? No. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm pretty sure Scott Bayo was in this movie. The the movie the one that I'm talking about here. I'm I'm following the rabbit hole into IMDB. <laughs> he was in a short called Wrong Hole. Uh, okay, so I'm on a list now. From ScreenRant.com, D-list uh-huh. stars that act like A-listers. So we got Katherine Heigl, Rob Schneider, mm-hmm. Amanda Bynes, Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan, John Travolta. Well, back up, back up, back up, back up. As a D-list star, John Travolta? He's not. Yeah, maybe once, maybe once upon a time, he's one of those rare kinds. He went from A-list to D-list, but then as soon as he did Pulp Fiction... He he took off. His career took off again. Yeah, and I think he's just. I think maybe it's the Scientology stuff and the weirdness that he's gotten a little bit maybe out of the limelight. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. He was in Swordfish. Maybe he's kind of come back down to the list. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've not seen a lot of the recent movies that he's so been in. Number eight on this list is none other than Will Wheaton. Shut up, Wesley. I can see that. I can see that. I, don't, I would hope we wouldn't see Will Wheaton on that kind of video, but... but shut up, Wesley. Scott Bayo was in a movie called Zapped, and, and here is the synopsis. A high school science nerd gains telekinetic powers after a laboratory accident and uses them for revenge upon bullies. So look up the movie Zapped. Zapped, 1982. 1982. Not on Halliday's list. Not what we would call classic 80s film. Oh my God, you could not make this today just on the cover art alone. Yeah, yeah. I get it. They're getting a little behind in their classwork. That's hilarious. <sighs> Anyhow, I, I, I suppose I could see Scott Bayo doing this. I think Kirk Cameron as well. Well, Mr. T is also on this list. Well, I, I mean, he's... I, I'm not sure you can take people who are kind of retired and say, oh, they're a D-list now. It's like they were, maybe they were willing, willingly came down to the D-level to have a sit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure that counts now. How about Steven Seagal? Oh my God! Hasn't hasn't he gone full blown Russian? 
Oh, that's right. Isn't he now like an ambassador from Russia or something? <laughs> an ambassador for Russia? <laughs> He's got like citizenship or some shit. I don't, I don't know. know. I that don't was know. a weird it's... one. I couldn't tell if that was the onion or, <laughs> or what. He went. No, it's not. It's not the onion, dude. He went from trying to be from I get maybe from being a cop on a television show. Not. I mean, it was like a real life. It was following him as a police officer, but not acting. Like they gave him up the like a badge and said, "This is cool. Our little Podunk town now has a a, a movie star as a police officer." And they followed them around like cops, but with him. And then somewhere along the path, he ended up coming like big friends with Putin. And and then when he started talking political, it got all weird. So anyway, moving on, right? No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reading ahead. Cut that part out. Uh, so we've got the video kind of plodding along. What can I expect after I complete my initial processing and placed in permanent position? Asked Johnny, the training film's main character. Why you could expect to spend the rest of your life as a corporate slave, Johnny. I wonder why they picked Johnny. I kind of think Johnny Five here. I think John is so such a common name that that could be anybody. John Smith, the day-to-day life of an indent. Anyhow, he gets fitted with a security anklet, and, and according to the training film, the device monitors his physical location and can grant or deny access to areas in the complex. So if he tried to do anything to it, he could get shocked. They'd know about it. They'd know where he was. Oh, and it can deliver a paralyzing electric shock. Fun. And could administer heavy-duty tranquilizer directly into his bloodstream. That's a pretty cool anklet. You know, there's there's only one thing left for this anklet to be able to do. I know, I know you have to be thinking it. Did you ever watch the movie Running Man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where in the beginning, you know, he's in the prison, and everybody has, it's not an anklet, it's a necklet. Kind of does the same thing, right? Except what happens when you escape? It blows your head off. It explodes. Your head pops right off. Well, right? that would probably be an okay thing in this case except for the fact that they're trying to get their money out of you well that's true but you probably think twice about running if you had one of your anklets blown off it would be a lot harder to run if you had one of your ankles blown <laughs> off Precisely. you might actually yeah. run around in a circle you'd do it once is what we're getting at here so let's see after the anklet was on another machine clamped a small electric device onto his right ear lobe piercing it in two locations I guess he's being tagged. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an observation and communication tag. So it's it's a it's a it's a camera, and a a microphone slash earphone. This is one of those things where I was like, hold on a minute. This is this has got to be going too far, right? Now you know how the cows feel. Yeah, but when they get their ear clipped with the like the sharks and but shit. This thing's got a camera, a microphone, all this yep. stuff, and it's like mm-hmm. so you have zero privacy. So if you need to go. I don't know, take a shit. Oh, sure. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Or let's say, you know, it's been a long day and you're like, oh, I'm just so frustrated. And you want to go into your little tab unit and maybe rub one out. Right, right. You, yeah. And you, you've you got an audience. You and your third testicle. Exactly. You're, you're non-functioning third testicle now, I suppose. Well, no, now, now you just got a, one testicle because you gave up the real one and they took away well, your wait, 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 wait. Why would you replace a testicle when you could just have three? Because then you have to explain, like, hey, what's going on? No, they're not explaining it to anybody. Why, do you, <laughs> just... why, why, why is your scrotum so large? Well, I have three testicles, and one of them happens to be an Oasis console. Uh-huh. Okay, maybe not. 
<laughs> See, I don't know why it couldn't be like Terminator style. Like, when, as long as you cover it with skin, it doesn't get detected. Like for the like how the term that's how the Terminators are able to travel through time. Mm. I guess if you wanted to take your Oasis console back in time, then that would work. Yeah, it is funny that that the Oasis that there is that weird loop in, in Terminator where you have to cover him in skin in order for the machine underneath to go through time, which makes me think, well, golly, couldn't I just wrap myself in a giant leather suit if I wanted to wear clothing and carry a gun back in time? Mm-hmm. Not so much, though, I guess. Small, small. That's a podcast for another day. Yeah, I agree. Anyhow, so, yeah, so he can he can hear, he can they can see what he sees. He hears what they force into his ear, kind of like how they, they staple it onto the side of his head. Yeah, I wonder how heavy this thing is. Is like he like walking around like with his head tilted because this thing is just it's got a camera, microphone, speaker. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's like one of those Bluetooth headsets, but rather than being able to take it off, it's stapled to your ear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Ouch. So a few seconds after his ear gear is attached and activated, he begins to hear the placid, monotone voice of the HR mainframe droning instructions and other information. That that alone would drive you nuts. Well, and that's what it says. It says the voice drove him nuts at first. I'm not sure I could ignore that. Like that that might push me over the edge. If I've got to hear that voice one more time, you know, I, I might have to rip my ear off. Which wouldn't do anything, but it might make you feel good. You'd probably get zapped. Well, maybe. But I mean, what are they going to zap me forever? I mean, if I go full Van Gogh, right, and I and I rip rip my ear off, cut my ear off, and pull it off, and maybe they staple it to the other ear. I, what what are they going to stick it on after I cut off both my ears? Your nose? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> staple it to your cheek. Maybe, maybe your no left idea. testicle. <laughs> yeah, camera on my left testicle wouldn't work out real well. That wouldn't work for anyone. No. So he's got his hardware on. He's got his ear gear on. Steps off the conveyor, and the HR computer sends him to the cafeteria, where he basically gobbles down garbage. Soy burger, lump of runny mashed potatoes, some sort of cobbler dessert. It's basically like, I don't know, middle school food? I was going to say, it sounds like airline food. Oh, yeah. I I guess so. And I like how the HR computer compliments him on a healthy appetite. Yeah, but I, I bet you it's just like, you have a very nice appetite. Good for you. It's like a digital mom that harasses you. I bet if you didn't eat, it would have said the exact same thing. They, you know, it's like a recording. I don't think so. I think like it's timed. You know, there's just an IOI guy sitting there, and his job, his job is to program varied responses for to encourage a healthy appetite and reward people for eating quickly and all of their food, right? Yeah. Because the food they feed them, if they don't eat it, it's wasted food. That would be bad. Uh, but then it informs him that he's permitted to make a five-minute visit to the bathroom. Which makes you wonder, are they putting laxatives in that food? I guess you can train yourself to, to, to shit at the, at the, it, during the five-minute period <laughs> after eating. Like, that seems what, like uh, express digestion there. A little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Well, I don't know. I imagine you could be trained. Like, you've got this time to, to use the restroom. I, I imagine after a while, your body would be like, okay, I get it. So he goes down the carpeted hall after he gets off of the elevator, after he's gobbled down his food, and he's informed that his first shift begins in seven hours. And he he ends up finding his HAB unit, which is numbered 42G. Now, I already know that, that, that whenever you see a number in here, it means something, references something. So 
Aaron, what did you come up with? 42 has got to be the Hitchhiker's Guide reference. The G, the best I can come up with, other than the fact that it's a reasonable maximum height of, for the, because the rows are, I think, numbered A through J. So that's 10 Mm -hmm. rows. And so he's on G. Okay, but he could have been on another, in another row. So G, all I can think of is, well, 42, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Maybe G. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 42G. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was buying Galaxy's G until until you kind of wrapped it into the name of the book. So that, that's kind of like that additional confirmation that, that makes that make more sense. That's the best I can do on that. I mean, did you Google 42G and find anything else? No, I did not. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, no. uh, yeah, well, I take that back. I did. I, I searched for 42G in Google and came back with a screen full of bras, models wearing bras. Ah, I see. Yeah, did you, did you just Google 42G? Yeah, and now my search history is fucked. <laughs> now, now you're going to start getting advertisements on top of for, uh, on, to, well, on top of whatever else you get advertisements for. <laughs> Now you're going to get it for bras as well. Sweet. I think this will reinforce some of the search history that that I've had you go to, that I've had you put in. Wasn't there another search that you did that you feared tainted your search history? Uh, there was when we when we did the uh, the chapter with the uh, the haptic doll. You made me look up some oh, stuff. Oh, right, right. The sex dolls. Right. So now in your search history, you've got sex dolls and bras. So you're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. We've only reinforced. I'm going to have to zero out my drive and maybe blow up an incendiary device to keep all that shit from coming back. This is Google. I don't think it will yeah, help. Yeah, no. It's all on the cloud now. Yeah, it, it knows the IP address you're connected to. It's it's not going to make a difference. I'm surprised you're not even seeing sex dolls and, and bras in Facebook now. Let's go see. <laughs> no, they were probably there before anyway. Mm. Oh, that's Because mm, the Russians. <laughs> um, he says that the hab block reminded him of a ma- mausoleum. It, in in its description, where you've got this, basically he's back in the stacks. <laughs> it's just that the trailers are slightly smaller. What was it? They were one meter tall by one meter wide. By two meters long. So it's two meters long. So for people that can't convert meters to imperial units, that's three foot three by three foot three by six foot six. That is not a big space. No. No, it's not. But it's it's very much like uh, the capsule hotels in Japan. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what came to my weird. mind. I'm like, oh, this is like those weird hotels where you're like you're basically sleeping in a shelf. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because like it's used for people who are drunk and can't get home or just need some place to to do an, a basic overnight accommodation, right? It's actually rather brilliant for that particular use. Is what else do you need? Yeah, yeah, and if you got a city that's rather crowded, you know, if you just need to sleep and you're just on your way, I mean, a hostel's kind of like that, isn't it? I mean, you, you just get in a bunk bed and everything that's yours is in that space. I would just think that it might be weird to wake up and you're not quite awake yet and you're in this coffin-shaped box. I feel like... And you forgot how you got there. Yeah, I feel like the first time you do that, you're like, <gasps> what the fuck? And then... But these kind of look like that. Like, these are almost that size. Like, I'm looking at them right now. Like, the Capsule Hotel or Pod Hotel, where it's a, a large number of really, quote-unquote, small rooms. 
it looks almost like if you've ever seen where they do autopsies. Oh yeah, and the bodies are on the shelves in the boxes in the in the with the metal door that shuts behind them. That's what this looks like. Only a little friendlier. I think there's like a television built in. For me, that would be nuts. I I couldn't. I don't think I could handle that. Like I've done MRI, and that oh, was yeah. that was not that was fun. like no, 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 no. That was like. being wrapped in cellophane fetish or something. Only not enjoying it. It was incredibly uh, uncomfortable and cramped. And, uh, and they want you to be still, and... which is not easy when they ask you to be still. Oh, and then I love it because they put the towels around your skin because they're like, well, we don't want you to get burned. Well, hold the phone, Bob. Why am I going to get burned in this machine? You know, why is my skin touching the outside thingy that isn't moving? How is that going to burn me? It's just magnets. It's not going to hurt you. Oh, really now? Yeah. Anyhow, anyhow, moving on. But it is kind of interesting that they describe it this way. And uh, we've got, you know, we've got a, you could go and search up Capsule Hotel or Japanese Drunk Pods and come up with a really good idea as to what this would look like. Yeah, I'm looking at one now, and that's pretty much what you got going here. I see a picture of somebody like getting out of the pod and they're like stretching their arms out like, ah, wasn't that refreshing? It's like, I bet it wasn't. So he describes the inside of this as kind of like an eggshell white injection molded pod that he says still smells like burnt plastic and burnt foam rubber. Mmm, VOCs, baby. You know, it's just freshly made and it smells like you're snorting pvc dust off the shelf of your local lowe's or home depot mm. don't just, you just love that smell uh it's it's uh no no it's not at all actually but uh it, this is beyond sanitary it's just industrial this that smell of you know just formed pressed pressed and burned just recently melted smell it's almost like new car smell no yeah well i like new car smell better but but yeah you know i thought this was a short chapter dude well, we've been going off on tangents. Yeah, that's true. I, I almost like some of the tangents we've been. Frankly, mo- most of this has been reading the book. <laughs> so so he gets in there. He's got access to the console. He's got a kind of a, a large flat touchscreen built into the wall. He's got his wireless visor that's snapped into his holder. He's given an employee number. Something strange here. Employee number 338-645. Now, again, we go searching, gallivanting through the internet to try to find Three three eight six four five, and I I didn't find any one thing, but what I did find was a lot of weird videos with the number three three eight six four five in the title for no particularly good reason, and the videos are dramatically different. They're in they're foreign. A number of the videos are foreign, and they're just weird fucking videos. And uh, and you know, it, you and I spent like an hour maybe a half hour going through videos looking for something that matched this. I couldn't find anything. So yeah, I, I'm right now trying the number in reverse five, four, six, eight, three, three, and I'm finding nothing. And that's what I would have expected just putting in three, three, eight, six, four, five, but it came back with a bunch of shit. that was very specific to that number and yet not specific to what it was connected to. Just odd. Check out the videos. But I mean, somebody can tell me what that means. Uh, surely that's a reference to something. I feel like I'm missing something. I'm going to call it. I'm stumped on any meaning behind this one. 
I, I feel like there's an inside joke I'm missing. Yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun trying to find the significance behind things, like the the numbers and the words that are used and things like that. And I can't, for the life of me, find any significant thing about this number. It wasn't used in any particular way in anything. It wasn't like a prison number for somebody in some 80s thing that I can find. It might exist, but I can't find it yet. I looked at some very specific mathematical things about this number, and there's like nothing really interesting about it. It's no, it just feels incredibly random. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a sixer number. He's not a, he's not a sixer. He perfectly he he said he did not want to become a sixer, a sucksor. And I get that because it's not the position he holds in that company. But I just I don't know. I'm at a loss. And it's weird because I feel like there's an in joke there or an in of some sort because of what we did find with the number, but I just can't make the connection. I'm definitely stumped on this. And to anybody that can point us in that right direction, you will get a pat on the back. An acknowledgement, a show acknowledgement. You will you will get a shout out for coming up with the answer. But moving on, the only TV show that he has access to in the moment which is Tommy Q, and it's the, the wacky situational comedy chronicling the misadventures of Tommy, a newly indentured Oasis tech rep struggling to achieve his, fin- his goals of financial independence and on-the-job excellence. This just sounds successfully reeks of this artificial corporate, you know, culture brainwashing, you know, where, where it obviously isn't this, but they're trying to tell you the lie in the hopes of getting you to believe the lie so that you will become sedated, pacified. And it's just, uh, and I, I love the fact that there are laugh tracks. So if you've heard laugh tracks peppered throughout, this is what it's in reference to. <laughs> Assuming that we get we have the energy to do that, right? Oh, I'll totally have the energy to put in laugh tracks. Like, what if we haven't said anything funny? Well, you know, that's just the thing, though, is that I can insert a laugh track. I can make anything sound funny. So, for example, Schindler's List. <laughs> You're just stuck on that movie, man. I can't help it. That's what that reminded me of. You know, get over it. It ends up on a beach with two guys that are happy to be in each other's presence, and that's how it ought to be. <laughs> Insert laugh track. <laughs> but despite his best efforts, while Tommy Q is playing in his visor, his thoughts drift to Artemis. Aw, that's nice. Which I imagine, maybe for the first time in a while, where he's kind of like, you know, is she thinking about me? Does she miss me? Well, because the last chapter, it, he was successful at not contacting her, even though he, she was contacting him, being like, what are you, gonna, what are you doing? Where are you? So he had the presence of mind to say, I'm not going to have her take my plan away from me. And now he's like, I miss her. She's the reason why I did this. It, it kind of reminds me, uh, have you ever have you heard the Elvis song, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Probably, yeah. Are you lonesome It, it kind of reminds me of that, where he's wondering, Do you, you know, are, are you lonesome tonight? tonight? Do you miss me tonight? Are you sorry are you we drifted sorry? apart? Oh. You know, does your memory stray to a brighter, sunny day when I kissed you and called you sweetheart? I bet, I bet he wishes he had that hard drive full of pictures of her, huh? Huh? 
or at least, I don't know, playlist of Elvis Presley songs? I, I don't know. Uh, but it's interesting with this particular song, it's him missing her, but him hoping that she's missing him, but knowing that she left him and probably doesn't miss him. Harsh. Yeah, that's and that's creepy. And in fact, when Elvis Presley, if you listen to Elvis Presley singing this song throughout his career, there are a couple times where it gets nuts. Do explain. Because his wife left him for the karate instructor. I don't know if you knew this about Elvis Presley. Yeah. It is a trip. He sings this song and he starts laughing and crying in the middle of it. And it is the most uncomfortable thing you could possibly fucking listen to. So let me let me have you experience that right now. Because this this reminds me of of how Parzival is stuck in this, and he's asking himself, you know, if she's thinking of him, even though quite blatantly, you know, she has said, "I'm totally not going to think of you and focus on something else." All right, I'm listening. All right, all right. <laughs> there's this, there's this whole center dialogue you're not hearing because he's just he can't sing it, he can't say it. This is weird. And keep in mind here, by the time he's saying this version of the song, his wife had left him for the karate guy. And the song is about hoping somebody feels loneliness without you, even though you know that they don't. I was a little eerie. That's creepy. That's like that kid that's trying to like laugh off crying. Yeah. That's gonna haunt. That's yeah. a little haunt thing. I don't need. I, I didn't need that. <laughs> so I. <laughs> so I just imagine that that's kind of like Parzival in this like, situation, only without the laughing part. I don't know. I I totally went off track here, but in talking about it, it reminded me of this song. Anyway, moving on. Laugh track. But but and laugh track. <laughs> uh so his mind trails off thinking about Artemis. And as he describes it, mentally torturing himself like that until he finally drifts off to sleep, which is kind of interesting because you'd think that maybe that would have been mentioned through the months and months and months that he hadn't talked to her. You mean like falling asleep, thinking about her every night? Right. Where is she? What is she doing? Does she miss me? Right. The self-torture. Right. But when you take the distractions away from your life, you're kind of left thinking about whatever's left the stuff that you're trying to distract yourself from. He's in a, a te- basically a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, back to the sensory deprivation tanks. Back to, I knew I, I've got to be able to, I, I worked that back in, didn't I? But that's kind of what this thing is. If it's not sensory deprivation, it's sensory control. But it's really depriving him of, of the sensory input that he wants, which is the oasis. He can't have that. So everything else is bland. Everything else is just uninteresting undistracting and as a result he's left thinking about artemis even though he's got tommy q going on in his visor that that is not enough to hold his attention that is just utterly not interesting 
the only thing he just drifts off into thinking about the one thing that, that he's been trying to distract himself from for the past however many months, and that's Artemis. If you were in one of these indentured servant places and they gave you one TV show you'd have to watch for your indenturement, which could last forever, what would that show be? Oh, Jesus. This is the if you're on the island and you had to pick a television show to watch forever. That's really what you're asking, Uh, right? I wrapped it around the plot of the book, but yeah. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Uh, um. All right. So the first thing that comes to mind is is Rick and Morty. Oh, there you go. Now, now, my wife doesn't like Rick and Morty. My daughter does not like Rick and Morty. My son likes Rick and Morty. On the surface, Rick and Morty is kind of it's very juvenile humor, or at least very immature, and it tries to play off as being smart on the surface, kind of, but. But what I really like is that there are a lot of subtle layers and details and references that cross one episode to the next. Mm -hmm. There are a ton, a ton of YouTube theories about Rick and Morty, the show, and what that references outside of the show or maybe what they were trying to get at in the show. It's weird. Like people do with Rick and Morty what you and I do with this book. That's fair. At great depth and length. And I know because I've watched most of those videos. But once I got past the whole, you know, burping and, and you know, alcohol-induced drool of Rick, you know, and Morty with his, you know, prepubescent, oh, my God, Rick, you know, I got the crackling voice going on right now. You know, that's the, pretty good. Ah, Jesus, no, it's horrible. But uh, it just, once you get past the little annoyances, then you kind of it starts to dive into some shit where you kind of come back out of some shows and go, oh, Christ, that was a little bit deeper than I was prepared to experience. Like there are some shows where the show ended and I was like, you know, where you have that moment at the end of a show and you have that uncomfortable silence like you'd just been, you know, punched in the gut. That Like that one where they bury themselves? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Or Or the one where Rick tries to kill himself, but then he passes out. Before the machine vaporizes yeah. him, holy balls! It just—it's the episodes like that, surrounded by the other episodes, that kind of compound the meaning of those moments. And what other show has that kind of shit? It's weird. Ren and Stimpy was maybe kind of like that, but but it was still pretty stupid. It was more brain candy. But it, this show just kind of has multiple levels. And the surface level is just this sort of crap immaturity. And I get that. If that's as far as you go with it, then that's cool. But then as you watch it over and over again, you start to notice other layers. And, like, you sit back and go, there's some real mental trauma. <laughs> there's some real weird mental illness that's that's purveying. Like, if you put yourself into the mind of somebody who's crossing dimensions where the people you love die and that's okay because you can just jump to a different dimension and they're alive again. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up because it makes me like, well, what if there were these uh, parallel dimensions and in one of the, more than a few of those, I died. Well, if you've ever played video games where you had the cheat code to me, a cheat code almost immediately makes the game uninteresting because it makes it too easy. And then you're kind of left struggling if this is the only game you've got to try to make it interesting with the cheat code. But once you've done cheat code, 
you're, you're stuck in that weird quandary of if I don't use the cheat code, it's not as interesting. If I use the cheat code, now I'm kind of this God level and it's not challenging anymore. It's not a game. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's not as important. And it feels like Rick is the ultimate sort of cheat code for life. And, and his mental illness comes from being uber smart and having an infinite number of lives, infinite number of daughters and Mortys, uh, and the kind of uh, weird, I don't care, but I do fucking care, but I'm not going to tell you I care because I don't care kind of illness. Does that make sense? Yeah. And just to remind you, I was maybe 10 minutes ago, I just asked you what TV show you would want to watch forever. <laughs> Sorry. What TV show would you watch? Uh, well, you kind of ruined Rick and Morty for me on that one. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I guess I... It wouldn't be the KFC video? Oh, please, could it? <laughs> I, my normal go-to on this would be Seinfeld. I feel like... like after a while, I would need a break from it. So... Mm, I never got into that show. IT crowd. Okay. I t- that would be your endless? Maybe. Uh, so it's also, that one's really short, so you would go through it so quickly. I would think if you're looking for a strategy for what to watch, you want something with mm-hmm. a whole lot of episodes. And maybe maybe well, even one hour format. You know, Rick and Morty only has like three seasons. Yeah, so I feel like you could get, you for would now. get tired of that based on its current run. But. Okay. Right, so like there's there's a more than a handful of shows that have really long runs. Like I'm like The Simpsons has been going on forever. It would take a long Dude, time to get through it all. The, I understand the desire to for for variety. Not The Simpsons. Not the Simpsons. Yeah, no, it's, I stopped watching for a reason. I bet you anybody who's a big fan of Doctor Who would instantly select that one. I don't get that show. Well, I, I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, and I, I get the TARDIS, and I like the reference. I get the general concept. But when I was growing up, you know, my grandmother watched Doctor Who, and I, it's a smart show. I get it. I, I watched it as a kid, and I was just absolutely uninterested, and that just stuck with me. Maybe it was just the content was too highbrow for a 13-year-old, or the idea of robots that wanted to destroy people couldn't get upstairs. I don't know. Pick something, really. But, yeah, I didn't dig it. Not so much. I hear you. But I don't think this isn't anything like that, though. This is, In fact, this is complete lowbrow humor. This is kind of like asking you, what's your least favorite show? And, by the way, we're going to make you watch that forever. Yes, this is true. I think we've both lost some steam here. I think we ought to think about wrapping this one up. Totally going to wrap this up. All right. Well, this has been a difficult chapter, mostly because it's it, there's no very few references. It's just drab. And, and rough. Not that we're not I, that we're hating on the writing. No, no, not at all. No good writing, and necessary to describe the shitty, shitty situation that is IOI. If you didn't hate IOI up till now, now you've got a really fantastic reason for hating IOI, and just how serious it is, and how it enslaves people, and and how it how it does it. So the one thing I want to mention before we say goodbye to our our friends is. Mm. He makes a point of saying that there's cameras everywhere. He knows he's being watched. Every move he makes is being logged. And then the system asks him about the indentured employee entertainment reward program thing. And if he wants more information on it, because apparently if he gets 
an above average rating in three consecutive uh, performance reviews, he gets points or something so that he can watch those vintage movies. He doesn't want any more information on that program. So if he's doing things to make it look like he's blending in, why wouldn't he get more information on that just so that they can see that he's interested in that program? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. And I think it dives deeper into that answer in the next chapter. Like, this doesn't get much better. We have to, there will be deeper twists and, and offshoots and branches in our, in our conversation in the coming chapter, I do feel. Because this doesn't get any better. This does not get any more colorful. Maybe there will be more references to Elvis. I don't know. Well, there'll also be a, hopefully, a little bit of time spent talking about the, the wonderful film THX 1138. Which we will have me watch, since you've already watched it and I have not watched it. I'm not looking forward to this. You shouldn't be. I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, not looking forward to busting my cherry on this particular film, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it so that I get the reference. I'm going to do it so that I can uh, better my depth of gunterism. And we're going to do an episode where I reflect on that movie fresh out of watching it. And who knows? Maybe I'll come out loving it. You won't. What I, I ended up loving Rush 2112. That's true, but you're not going to love this. All right. Well, thank you for managing expectations. I'm, I'm setting expectations low. I am doing you a huge favor. Got it. So the hope is that if I think it's going to be absolute garbage, if we set it at my expectation at a three and we come in at a four, I'm going to be delighted. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll have to see how that goes. So I'm going to wrap up this chapter of Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we will catch you in the next chapter. So long. IT crowd. Okay, I t that would be your endless? Maybe. Oh, so it's also, that one's really short, so you would go through it so quickly. Did you ever watch Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf, no. Okay, so Red Dwarf is about a guy who gets put in a cryo chamber because he misbehaves on this sort of like mining ship, I guess. It's like a service ship. And then he wakes up a million years later out of cryostasis. And everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. Except for his cat that over many generations has evolved into a cross between a feline and James Brown. The computer, which is like this sort of, uh, not Siri, but you know, like a bald-headed male English version of Siri. And, and a hologram of the one person that he hated the million years before. And that's the show. So it is very much like what would happen if you were on an island by yourself or with these handful of things. So, oh, I mean, anyhow. You didn't make you that up, right? I <laughs> did not fucking make that, that up. That sounded like you were grasping for whatever ridiculous idea came into your head. Dude, no. Look you look for Red Dwarf. What's that website IMDB called? Reddwarf.com probably would work.
Red Dwarf. It's 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 British, so maybe reddwarf.co. Dot UK. I don't know. Red Dwarf. Nineteen eighty eight. And they, they have had episodes as recent as the past couple of years. Uh, but you were wrong, by the way. It's actually stranded three million years into deep space. Oh, come on. Come on. One million, three million. You're going to nail me on that one? Nah, I guess I'll let it slide. <laughs> 